0: You've probably heard that guanxi relationships are the cornerstones of doing business in China or anything else for that matter you may have also learned that chinese guanxi is based on the exchange of favors or goodwill so let's ponder this question for a moment but before that let's begin with the mindset that quote unquote favors aren't necessarily corrupt it is primarily cultural and can include a wide variety of things including just saying something nice or in Chinese, gei mianzi. means giving face to someone by saying something nice or complimentary. So how does a Chinese person respond when they don't receive the reciprocity they expect or feel they are entitled to? Or better yet, when they feel disrespected? And let's go even one step deeper. How should they respond within the context of Chinese societal norms? often try to illustrate a cultural dichotomy for authority by pointing out that people are taught to obey laws in the West, while in China, people are conditioned to obey people. There are laws in China, just like they are in any other normal society, but Chinese citizens have been conditioned to believe, with merit, that laws are a tool for those in positions of authority to receive favors in exchange for more favorable treatment. And this is the undercurrent of China's gray economy. People grant favorable treatment and opportunities at their behest. So what is Chinese society telling people to do when they feel that they are missing their entitlements? The answer is the fa which means you have to figure out a way. Perhaps this explains though it doesn't justify some quote-unquote bad or corrupt behavior by your Chinese partners or associates. So another interesting question is, what adjustments could you have made to dissuade them from lying, cheating, or stealing? Well, lying, cheating, and stealing has negative connotations, so let me restate that. Suppose you don't understand how to reciprocate goodwill in the Chinese cultural context. Then is it reasonable to assume that those you shortchange should go elsewhere to retrieve their missing favors. And when this happens, let's just call it goodwill extraction, which is a more accurate description within the Chinese cultural context. (music) To truly understand how Chinese guanxi works, it's helpful to imagine that the exchange of favors is necessary for Chinese society to function. Just like Western societies couldn't function if the majority of us didn't default to truth with strangers. Imagine if every person at Walmart didn't trust the cashier and had to carefully review every price of every item on the receipt before concluding their purchase. How much longer would the lines at Walmart be? And who'd be willing to shop there or anywhere else for that matter? Now suppose the exchange of favors or goodwill is the lifeblood of Chinese DNA. In that case, we can assume that their survival instincts will compel them to extract it from elsewhere in the Chinese value chain when they have been deprived of it from you. Which brings us to the story of Jack, my first local channel partner in China. A short skinny Chinese man with disheveled hair, wearing an old dirty short sleeved dress shirt, with gray slacks that looked like they'd never been washed, walked toward us from the exit of Hongqiao train station in yellow plastic slippers that were brown from years of wear. He looked homeless. He couldn't afford his train ticket, so we purchased one for him. He walked toward us and his pale, skinny face opened a wide, friendly smile because we were technically interviewing him to be our sales manager for the Northern Territory of China, or his name was Jack, and he was the brother-in-law of one of our Taiwanese distributors. Actually, he was the brother of one of their second wives. Jack's sister had given birth to a son, so their financial support in Guanxi had become much deeper. Connections are the cornerstone of the Guanxi Ijin upon which everything in China runs. So offering Jack an opportunity was a natural extension of their Guanxi relationship. Besides, Jack was described as hardworking and someone we could trust. Remember Vincent, the business partner I met at Blue Marlin? We began our friendship with zero Li Yi Guanxi. Li Yi equals mutual interest plus impact significance at any moment in time. But it's not static. Instead, the Li Guanxi you have with someone is dynamic. So, your situational awareness of Li Yi is both relevant and critical for assessing the situation. Vincent and I entered into a 50 50 partnership when we both deposited 200,000 RMB into a business account. Following the registration of Shanghai Mei Yi Songwu Zushin Yu Gongsi, we registered our partnership as a business consulting. Limited Liability Company in Shanghai and our Lee was equally significant at 50% equity. We didn't have any prior connections attached to this new business venture, so our mutual interests remained constant and equal. Now, if we'd begun sourcing supplies from one of Grace's relatives, then the Li'i calculation would change. If you recall, Grace is Vincent's wife and she became the sole marketing executive in our company. In essence, Grace and I were equity partners and the first two employees to lead the development of this new business venture. Had Grace begun outsourcing marketing projects or even printing marketing materials through her Guanxi network, then the Li Yi calculation would change with new variables on her side of the equation. Jack was a Chinese history major who studied calligraphy. So he was one of the few people you could meet in mainland China that could read and write traditional Chinese characters. We had asked our Taiwanese distributor to help establish a presence in mainland China after most of our key automotive accounts moved manufacturing there due to the low cost of labor. Initially, we just needed someone to import our products into China, but it's a natural evolution that more design decisions were being made in China, especially as local Chinese competitors began seeking the same components used by American, Japanese, and European first and second tier automotive suppliers. Jack was a fast learner. Our products were highly engineered materials with complex chemical formulations used to extend the life of components operating under extreme friction and wear conditions. But we onboarded him the same as we would during a product seminar to a group of design engineers. But Jack didn't have any nice clothes, or shoes for that matter, so a trip to the local mall was necessary before taking him on his first joint customer visit. Over time, we set him up with an apartment, office, company car, and small warehouse filled with consignment stock, which means he didn't have to pay us for inventory until he got paid. We also allowed him to register a business under his name in Nanjing, where Jack was originally from and still has his hukou, or residency registration. In less than a year, we converted Jack from a peasant who couldn't afford shoes or a train ticket to a business owner, or laoban. And laobans, as you might recall, are always given the utmost respect and face because of their position in the local hierarchy. Jack was our territory manager for Chu, but in China, he was a laoban, a business owner with face and a face to preserve. Before condoning or chastising Jack's goodwill extraction activities, let's try to get into his mind, his Yi calculation, and what Chinese cultural and societal norms are whispering in his ear. Let's begin with his face, or mianzi. After several rounds of joint customer visits, our role retreated to applications engineering and technical advisory support. Jack transitioned naturally into his sales and key account management role, which meant he began developing his own guanxi with purchasing managers and others to build his guanxi network of connections. As is typical with Chinese salespeople, Jack knew how to hua da bing, which means to paint an exaggerated picture of value benefits, and returns to entice someone to commit for fear of missing out or FOMO. He gives them face, and they reciprocate through their requests. You see, every customer visit is an opportunity to earn more business. But what happens when Jack isn't able to reciprocate to the lifeblood of his burgeoning guanxi network? Let's say our customer requests something as simple as a price reduction, but Jack has no control over our prices. He comes to us with many reasons to lower our prices, but we refuse to budge. How does Jack massage the answer of no? And how does he reciprocate the face he was given when the customer accepted his call request? And what predicament does this create for him? If you've ever waited for a taxi at Hongqiao International Airport, then you might recall that a bao an will ask you where you are going when you get to the front of the line. Were you ever curious why they asked this question? Taxi drivers have to wait in long queues to catch a bigger fare from an airport passenger. And it's a real bummer when their passenger isn't going halfway across town, which would be about a 200 RMB fare. Instead, what if they waited two hours to pick up a passenger that was only going to the nearest commercial area? which is less than a 60 RMB fare. Well, if your destination is less than about 100 RMB, then the bao an will write a little ticket called a xiao piao that will allow your taxi driver to return to a shorter queue, bypassing the longer wait for passengers. So bao ans have the authority to issue these xiao piao's, and therefore, goodwill can be extracted or exchanged at this node on the value chain. Taxi drivers can purchase shell for five RMB to save 30 to 40 minutes in line. And if you do the math, this works out to be a win-win. And for the drivers who don't participate, well, they're just stuck sitting in their idle cabs for several additional hours at the airport. Now let's imagine that the purchasing manager is like a bohan, a gatekeeper for opportunities and Jack is a taxi driver. The purchasing manager says to Jack, I have these xiao that can save you lots of time and money, but I need a price reduction. In actuality, any cost savings might not directly benefit the customer, though some of his employees may be happier for their additional hui so Ru or gray income. And do companies know this is happening? Yes, of course. In Chinese, it's called which means to turn the blind eye. But in practice, the implications are profound because culturally, everyone expects reciprocity and condones goodwill extraction from everyone else. So the real question we need to answer is this what forms of reciprocity would have altered Jack's Li calculation and prevented him from misbehaving? And, What signs during all of the eating, drinking, and socializing throughout our honeymoon period would have indicated that Jack's dilemma was reaching a tipping point? What dilemma, you ask? Chinese constantly struggle between doing what's right and doing what's best. Again, I need to put this into context. No one that you meet or partner with in China sets out to deceive or steal from you. They'd all prefer to continue deepening their guanxi relationship through the continual exchange of goodwill. We unintentionally force them to extract goodwill from other parts of the value chain when we fail to reciprocate appropriately. Hey, this is Gene. I hope you're beginning to understand how Chinese people think and the social pressures that influence their actions and behaviors. A necessary mindset adjustment that will serve you well is to believe that no one in China begins a relationship with the intention to misbehave. Instead, we force them into difficult positions with our cultural ignorance and our inability to listen in context. So make sure you're subscribed because the next episode will take you deep into the realm of a Chinese state-owned enterprise that's exclusively inhabited by those with an iron rice bowl mentality or You know, China is not homogeneous, but understanding the iron rice bowl mentality and its influence on Chinese thinking will highlight many incongruencies that you will likely encounter.